Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Podcast. Thank you for joining in because, John, we barely made it home. You know, we went out for a Friday-Saturday series that ended up lasting three days. We had to drive home through the fog, through the rain. Bridget got pulled over by the state patrol, not because she was speeding, although we were worried about that. Our front headlights uh, on the driver's side uh, had burned out. So uh, so that was kind of a harrowing trip back, Jason. And uh, we were worried that we might not make it back in time for Jason, who had to work today because he's not self-employed like we are. We were worried we were going to have to kidnap him and call his boss and ask for permission. But thankfully, we didn't. We made it back. Jason, are you rested up after the trip? We'll say no, and I'm just going to like plow through because <laughs> it was a late night and it has been a crazy Monday. So it'll be good to to get this recording. And I'm excited to kind of relive the the weekend that was in Denver. It was so much fun. I'm glad you came out with Bridget and I. Uh, but before we move uh, move any any further in the podcast, uh, we've got to get a shout out to our official merchandise sponsor on the Mab Podcast this year, Lawler's Custom Sportswear. Jason, Christmas is coming. Since Mav fans uh, listen to this podcast, you might consider getting uh, some new merchandise for that Mav fan on your Christmas list this season. So, uh, Head on down to Lawler's Brick and Mortar Store on 84th Street. Uh, They've got a lot of great merchandise and apparel. There's going to be a game at Baxter Arena this Friday, so you can also check uh, check out the merchandise area that Lawler's Custom has at Baxter Arena during that game. Or you can check out LawlersCustom.com online uh, and uh, order merchandise from there. We'll see if you and the family get any new gear. We'll see if I get any new gear uh, this this Christmas uh, from Lawler's Customs. So, uh, so yeah. Um, so you came with Bridget and I. We drove three hours to Kearney on Thursday nights uh, and spent the night there. We had a lovely dinner at Cunningham's. And then we traveled the rest of the way to Denver on Friday, got in uh, early Friday afternoon. We knew that this DU team was talented fast and that they cycled the puck well. And that was uh, certainly on display during that first period as the game got underway Friday night. It was. We uh, mentioned while we were watching that uh, the speed was just something we hadn't seen. And, you know, a lot of people talk about the quickness of Western Michigan, but I don't know. Denver's on another level. They were moving the puck well. Uh, we certainly ran into a buzzsaw on uh, on Friday. But uh, first period, you know, we get out and net the first goal. So, yeah, 546 into the first, Ray Fuss gets the storing started. Assist to LeMay and Roll Wagon. Good position for UNO to be in. But just a little over a minute later, DU defenseman Sean Barons ties things up. So it was back and forth there a little while, 10-16 into the first period. Ty Mueller, who's been hot as of late, uh, gets the goal, assists to the Ludkey brothers. What did you think of UNO's position going out of that first period, being up 2-1 to one at Magnus Arena, a tough place to play? It you know, is a tough place to play. It was a good crowd Friday night. When we were tied 1-1 one one, uh, before Mueller's goal, like, like, you know, I, I'd take that into the locker room and say, like, there's a lot to build on uh, at there. 
we had some opportunities we didn't capitalize on. That was one of the things we talked about last week going into this game. That's going to be a key for UNO is to make sure that when they do get opportunities, um, they find the back of the net with those. Uh, so there was, I think, a lot of good things to say in the in the locker room in that intermission. Uh, and you and I said it the same thing. The big thing was key last week, still the key after the first period, stay out of the box. Absolutely right. Uh, all hell broke loose in that regard during the second period. 22 seconds in, Omaha's Matt Miller is sent to the box for five minutes for a contact to the head penalty. Jason, I know you had some thoughts about that uh, five-minute major. You know, I understand the reason why we're we're the whole player safety, like why we're doing this. I, you know, I don't want to see anyone out with a concussion. We don't want to see guys on any team miss long periods of time. So, so I get that part of it, but like at some point there's got to be a line drawn and like what is hockey and what is not hockey. And I went back and watched, you know, we watched it live. I didn't see anything live, but obviously we're, you know, ways away. And so I went back and watched it multiple times on the NCHC feed. And I, I don't see like, I'm sure that contact's made, but like, it's not, it's as much of an onus on the Denver player coming into a check as it is on Omaha's player who's fighting for the same ice. He has every right to be in that position as anyone else. And I've said it before, like what you decide to call as a referee and what you don't decide to call is your, your deal. That's your thing. I get it. But if it's a penalty one way in the first period, or in this case, at the start of the second period, it has to also be a penalty the other way at the end of the third period or at the beginning of the first. And there's so many opportunities that I could go through the game and say, that's basically the same play. No call. That's basically the same play. No call. So I have a problem with the fact that it seems like particularly NCHC refs have decided that they're going to pick and choose when teams get power plays and particularly long power plays. And it hurt us. Like we, this is a, this is a good team. You don't need to give them opportunities and Denver nets two on that five minute. Yeah, absolutely. You can't give Denver the all you can eat power play and the Booyam brothers, Zeev and shy uh, both get the goals both very talented players for DU, by the way. They had a number of great opportunities. Uh, it definitely was a momentum shift in the game. Uh, DU scored five goals in a row in that second period, spurred by that five-minute power play. UNO was down 6-2 to two late in the second period. Uh, Omaha senior Brock Bremer, the Brock Skeeto, as we like to call him here on the map podcast, uh, Jason uh, compared him to a mosquito. And I think that that's absolutely right because he uh, he thrives on irritating our opponents. Uh, he scored late in the second. Uh, the Mavs were down six to three going into that second intermission. Uh, what were your thoughts going into the third period, Jason? What would you have said to the players to try to keep them going, being down in a tough environment to a very good DU team? I don't know what to tell them. Like at that point in time, you know, you know what's in the room, which is like you've got a really big hill to climb here. Um, you know, I think the positives you come out of there, you say, like, look, we've had some opportunities. Um, even after that, like the only reason why Denver's where they are is because the refs decided to get involved. So 
expect that you're going to get some calls. Be prepared on the power play. Uh, try to inch this back. Like three goals, you're looking at five-minute blocks. You want to score a goal in the first five minutes, in the next five minutes, and five minutes after that, and that gets you level, right? Um, you know, scoring three, like that Denver is a, a puck possession team. You don't get a lot of opportunities. So the fact that we were able to get three, I think was a positive going into the third and something that they could kind of hang their hat on and take away and say like, okay, you know, we're getting some offense. Let's just keep it going, you know, stick to the process as coach says kind of thing. Um, and, and hopefully things will go well, but, you know, I think a lot of the guys kind of knew that at that point in time, you're, you're playing for tomorrow night. You're really just trying to set yourself up for, um, for what's to come and not so much worried about what's happening in game at that point. DU goes on to win eight to four. Uh, it should be noted that Matt Miller uh, did score nine, 10 into the third period. So like you said, I, it was a, it was all about having some positive uh, juju or whatever we want to call it going into the uh, Saturday night game. And uh, certainly we were hopeful going into Saturday. I was also a little bit wary going into Saturday after that uh, second period performance on Friday by DU because we got to see uh, up close and personal what uh, a good team they are on Friday nights. Um, I thought UNO looked better in that first period on a Friday night, Jason. They tightened up defensively. That was that was definitely uh, a good thing to see. You know, offensively, I thought that's kind of where we were lacking a little bit. Uh, we were still playing that kind of like in and on game where they weren't getting a lot of sustained pressure. Uh, and that was something that like my concern there is like, how long can that last? you know, before Denver gets a goal or something and now you're behind. So uh, the the real concern there was like, what can we do? What adjustments can be made so that we can start generating some uh, possession time, some some offensive zone time and and hopefully get some some nice opportunities out of that uh, ozone time. Yeah, absolutely right. The game was tied 0-0 after the first period intermission came and went and then the weirdness <laughs> the weirdness <laughs> ensued jason i don't know what we're calling this um i don't think anybody's coined a term i don't know if we're calling it ice gate which sounds like ice skate so maybe not that might not be the best but uh prior to the start of the second period the officials were looking at the ice behind the south nets uh, the net that's right in front of the DU student section where the NCHC logo is behind the nets. We found out uh, as uh, as the next 40 minutes progressed that there was a gouge in the ice on the edge of the logo. Uh, the logo is a vinyl decal and it appears that uh, the thin ice caused the blade of the Zamboni to catch that vinyl logo, the mixture of the blade and the water from the Zamboni caused the ice to melt down to the concrete below. There were maintenance workers out there, Jason. <laughs> Coach Kemp at... came out there. <laughs> yes, Coach Kemp came out there. They worked on, I mean, I will tell you, we were very surprised when uh, Executive Associate Athletic Director Mike Kemp was walking around the ice to come inspect it. We knew that the situation was serious when uh, athletic directors from uh, UNO were uh, going out there on the ice to inspect it. It was hard for us to see what was going on because we, uh, on Saturday night, 
uh, we had gone to the uh, alumni event uh, that UNO held before the game, and we were sitting uh, up behind that uh, goal. So it was hard for us to see what was going on. You had the students standing up. It was nuts. The NCHC commissioner, Heather Weems, was in attendance. <laughs> there was a whole confab with Coach Kemp, UNO AD, Adrian Dowell. Uh, Mike Gabinette was there. The officials were there. It was nuts. I mean, what what were your impressions of the event uh, as uh, things unfolded? Yeah, I mean, we we really didn't know what was going. Like, you kind of knew that there was a problem, but they weren't the usual stuff that you would normally do to fix ice. They weren't doing. You know, normally they just bring out some snow, pack it in. You know, put a little cold water on it, rub the puck on it, try to smooth it out, let it you know wait a little bit, let it freeze, and you're done and good. Like that's how you feel most uh gouges and holes and stuff in the ice and so there was a lot of speculation about what might have happened that that would warrant like this long of a delay um and like it's just weird the players were were coming out you know we talked to uh, simon afterwards he had come out to inspect it uh when everyone was told to kind of leave and so we were talking to him and he's like oh yeah they came and told us like five more minutes and then like five times or something three or five times i'm like they're just like they've got no idea what's going on and they think that they're done and we're seeing refs give thumbs up to people and i'm like whoa (laughs) no we're clearly not thumbs up territory yet it was it was strange i've i've seen a lot of hockey games at a lot of different levels and i've never seen a game postponed for an ice related issue um but they fixed it overnight and the team rearranged their their travel schedules and we came back on sunday afternoon to pick up in the second period and finish this thing off yeah like like you said this was not something that bridget and i have seen uh in our 26 years following uno hockey and and we've seen a number of instances where there'll be like a, a little spot on the ice that they don't like. So like you said, they'll generally pack snow in, take a puck, try to smooth it out. They're generally good. So normally when you think of uh, like on ice delays, it's like when a, a one of the glass pieces of glass around the dashboard breaks or something of that nature. So very, very unusual. I was thrilled to be a part of it as, as you're well aware, I said, this is great. We actually have some interesting content to talk about uh, on the podcast. That was also nice for us because we were able to, uh, because the game ended uh, earlier than any of us thought it would, uh, we were able to go eat after the game. That was a uh, very nice, but like you said, the game resumed Sunday afternoon at 2 PM. We had to wait quite a while to find out when the game was going to resume Uh I'm sure that UNO's travel arrangements uh, affected that. In fact, we know it did uh, because we talked to Adrian Dowell before the Saturday game. Um, it was just weird going to a hockey game and having it start in that second period. Uh, but I thought UNO looked good uh, in that uh, second period as things uh, resumed on Sunday afternoon. Jason, you're going to have to catch me here because I'm going to want to say Saturday. I'm going to want to <laughs> say Sunday. I'm going to want to say first period. I'm completely thrown off, but 118 into that second period on Sunday afternoon, uh, UNO's Matt Miller gets the scoring started. Assists to Fust and Glenn. Again, it's throwing me off because I'm like, I want to say first period, and it was the second period on Saturday night that he scored. So, uh, 
So Jason, just feel free to correct me at any time. Uh, the Mavs were up one to nothing early. What did you think about how UNO looked and how DU looked in uh, that Sunday afternoon game? Certainly the crowd was not what it was for a normal game. Very sparsely attended, quiet crowd. I think that might have benefited UNO. I, you know, I agree when you made that that analysis that it's it's different when when you don't have the the crowd involved in in kind of those swings and stuff and you know that's why everyone tries so hard on you know Friday Saturday night games uh to get to get fans in attendance is because it does it does motivate the players it is a different feel uh and so yeah they they came out and you know I I'm sure that that's probably their game plan right like we're coming into this Everyone's a little bit weirded out about like how this goes. None of us have been through this before. You know, the mental gymnastics that you have to go through to prepare for a game on this, uh, you know, like they just wanted to come out and, and, and put the pedal to the metal and, and go really fast and try to get something early. Uh, and they get two uh, within the first five minutes of the second period of Sunday night, Sunday afternoon. Shouldn't say Sunday night either, should we? No, this is completely because every like games happen at night. They don't happen at two o'clock in the afternoon. I know unusual circumstances. It definitely, I'm sure, threw off the team's flow. It throws off our flow. But like you mentioned, uh, Ty Mueller gets the second goal uh, for UNO. UNO scores four goals in that second period. Uh, in addition to Miller and Mueller, uh, Tanner Ludke and LeMay both got uh, on the board. Um, despite the fact that UNO scored four, it felt back and forth during that period. Uh, DU netted a couple goals during the period, uh, including a shorthanded goal that was just uh, set up by an unfortunate turnover by, uh, by Joe LeMay. Yeah, I was really glad that he got a goal to kind of redeem himself on on that um but i think that's the the big takeaway from the weekend as a whole for you know for me is your power play has got to get this figured out when you're trying to fight back and you're playing a team like this you've got to take advantage of those opportunities you know and then saturday sunday game uh the split game right like you get out of there with no power play goals and i think they generated some more opportunities and stuff it looked better uh, in the afternoon game, but you know, you come away with no goals and you gave up one shorthanded. Like, that just can't happen on a weekend where you're negative one on special teams. So they've got to, they need, that needs to be an emphasis. You know, you've got Augustana coming in. We're going to be able to kind of work on some things, change things up, you know, have a focus or something, because it just seems like a lot of guys pulling in different directions and not, you know, working as a five-man unit right now on the power play. The power play unit is definitely a work in progress, uh, so we'll see what kind of adjustments they make uh, for the upcoming series against Augustana. The game was 4-2, to two, UNO leading uh, after the second period. I kept wondering when DU was going to finally break things open again. Uh, as you mentioned uh, during that second intermission, uh, Jason, uh, we were just kind of holding our collective breath hoping UNO could hold on to that four to two lead. Uh, DU narrowed the Omaha lead early in the third. And I think at that point I was like, oh man, they're going to tie it up imminently here. We spent a large chunk 
of the third period on Sunday afternoon uh, in our defensive zone, warding off shots from uh, DU. Uh, one player I want to note in particular, uh, defenseman Nolan Krenzen really sacrificed his uh, body uh, during a one of those long stretches. So uh, the players were definitely committed to uh, helping out Simon uh, and keeping uh, the puck uh, out of the nets. Uh, credit where credit is due. Uh, the Mavs were able to get it done in the end. Uh, great saves by Lacozzi and uh, again, a number of players like Krenzen sacrificing their bodies uh, to block shots. The Mavs held on. They won four to three uh, despite uh, despite uh, some great, uh, great opportunities uh, for DU there uh, in the latter half of the third period. Uh, this was an important three points for UNO to get in the uh, conference race here early on. Uh, I'll also note that head coach Mike Gabinette uh, got his 100th win uh, as the head coach at UNO. So congratulations to coach Gabinette and the Mavs have managed splits at DU the past two seasons. So things are starting to kind of turn in the right direction uh, for UNO after struggling with DU for so many years. Jason, what are your final thoughts on the game Saturday nights and Sunday afternoon, the split game? What are your final thoughts on UNO getting what I think was a really impressive win for them uh, out at DU? It's not just that they got the win. It has a lot to do with kind of how they were able to finish it off. And, you know, you talked about holding our breaths and, and, and Denver pushed hard. Like that was not you know, uh, that was not an easy win to get. Uh, they score early in the third. You've got, you know, 15 plus minutes that, that Denver has. And, you know, they controlled, like you said, uh, they controlled a lot of the play. They dictated a lot of the pace. Uh, they pulled their goalie with three-ish minutes left uh, in the, in the, in the period there at the end of the third. And like, they, they had some really good opportunities. It took some good blocks. You know, we made mistakes too. We had a couple of clearing opportunities that we weren't able to get out. And those are the types of things that that you look at. And I think if you're Omaha, you look at that saying, like, you know, we can hang with the Denver's, you know, caliber teams in, in the NCAA and in the NCHC. Uh, we have those opportunities, but you know, you look back to Friday and you've got to have that kind of memory of like that's how easy it can go sideways for you. So keep working hard, you know, keep, keep moving forward and really focus on fixing the things that you know are wrong. Fix the power play, you know, be more responsible defensively. Don't try fancy stuff, simple plays, simple plays make it like the shorthanded goal was just not a good play. It was just trying to do more than what you, you really needed to do, which was just keep the puck in the zone, send it back in, go back to work on the cycle. That's what we should have done. And instead you try to open up some space and, and try something fancy and it bit us. And you know, the, like, I don't want to throw them under the bus for it. Like, it's just, it happens. You, you make those things, but you know, you look back on this and you say like, all right, we're in a better position if that doesn't happen. Right. We're in a better position if we score some power play goals on both Friday and Saturday, you score a power play goal when we got one in the second and it's not that big of a lead and we've got a chance at this and you change the momentum. But when you give them five straight, like you're just uphill slog. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's good things to take away. There's stuff they need to still work on. And it's not the kind of win where you start thinking like, hey, we can just skate by 
because you know we beat Denver or something like that was a hard win. Um, so you still have work to do. There definitely is work to do, and uh, like you said, keep it simple, as I like to call keeping it simple, meat and potatoes hockey. Don't try to get too fancy. I know that that's tempting to do. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they evolve uh, the next few weekends, but we have to turn to our players of the week. Jason, who did you like as your player of the week for this interesting series out at Denver? You talked about him earlier. I've picked him before. Uh, I still really like the way Brock Bremer is playing this season. Um, you know, there was a couple of times that he, got in scraps and, and scrums in front of the net. And there was, I remember one of them behind the net that he, he kind of jumped into, um, you know, he's out there playing that, that gritty game that just annoys the heck out of teams. And so I want to see that continue. You know, I like to see that and he's production like he, with two assists on, on the weird game on Saturday. And he had the goal, I think just the goal on Friday. Um, but he's like every shift, always the same thing. He's always out there, you know, creating opportunities, moving his feet, uh, supporting the puck. Uh, he likes to skate back to it instead of away from it. And that's that's the kind of hockey I like to see. Uh, I think a lot of the other guys could kind of learn from that of, of you know, supporting the puck better and and helping our, our exits and our entries in that way. So I liked Bremer. What about you? Who's uh, Who's your call out from this? odd weekend in Denver well I first of all let me say on Brock Bremer uh two goals four assists on the season uh we have really enjoyed his play this year and he's going out with a bang as a senior so it's really really nice to see him again having success because you and I have been impressed with him all the way back to uh, the time when he was in juniors playing uh, for the Muskegon Lumberjacks and we got to see him play uh, at Ralston Arena against the Omaha Lancers. So uh, great pick there. I have to go with junior forward Ty Mueller. Uh, he leads UNO with five goals and five assists this season. He had two goals and one assist at DU this weekend. Uh, it should be noted he is the sixth player in UNO hockey history to net a goal in five consecutive games. Uh, and he's in really good company with guys like Jeff Hogan, Scott Parse, uh, Ryan Walters, and Josh Archibald. So uh, it's really good to see him heating up the last few weekends. It's good to see him uh, producing uh, on a game-by-game basis because that's what we need from the junior. Uh, he was one of our uh, one of our favorite forwards last season, uh, Jason. Yeah, we series preview the season preview we did and you know we talked about some of those big names needed to be big names again and you know we were a little worried him he kind of had a slow start there out of the gate and he's picked it up and you know I like to play I think a lot of it is is jumbling the lines a little bit the last few games he's played with uh Tanner Lucky and you know that I think has really kind of changed his his play uh and so good things to come if he can keep it up absolutely right jason so uh so exciting to see uh how he evolves and uh how brock bremer does uh as the uh, next few games progress but we have to turn to our things you missed in denver and in addition to the ice fiasco that's happened uh during the saturday night game there were a lot of interesting things you missed certainly if you didn't come with 
with me, with Bridget, and with Jason to Denver. You missed a lot of exciting things, a lot of really good food, et cetera, out there. Uh, we had a lot of fun. The event that I really wanted to highlight was the Mavs on the Moves pregame party before the Saturday night game at DU. Uh, it was held at DU's Burwell Center, which is just south of Magnus Arena. Uh, they had hors d'oeuvres, drinks, and swag items for attendees. Uh, UNO Alumni Association Executive Director Tony Flott spoke to attendees, as did UNO Athletic Director Adrian Dowell. I've heard him speak a number of times. I know you have, too. Just a really impressive uh, young athletic director for UNO. Very, very well spoken. Jason, what did you think of the event? This might have been your first Mavs on the Move event, Jason. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I'm Certainly, it was your mom's first event. She lives... Uh, in the uh, Denver area, and uh, she came with us to that event and to the uh, Saturday night and Sunday afternoon uh, game. Uh, yep. What did you think of the event, Jason? It was good. You know, uh, I think it's great what they're doing. They talked about you know trying to build these these pockets, communities of uh, of alumni, and you know, I re I really love that they're keeping keeping their graduates connected and, and keeping people in, involved in that stuff when, you know, they don't have the luxury of living down the road from the university that they graduated from. And, you know, as someone who doesn't live close to his university, it, it, it's nice to be able to kind of share in that, you know, and, and wish I could do more for mine and, and be more connected to my university and stuff. And um, so yeah, it was a good event. Uh, we've, we've attended alumni events before we've actually attended. I think this was our, this was my third at Denver. Um, I don't know if they called them Mavs on the move before, but the other two were actually in the arena. Uh, and so we had gone to, gone to those and were able to kind of meet some alumni and, and talk to people out there. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really cool. And if you're, uh, if you're alumni and you get a chance, or if you're, you know, just a fan and you're, you're welcome enough to have friends that are alumni that can get you into those types of things uh definitely do it because it's it's a lot of really good people good information you know fun just to hang around and talk to people and stuff that is awesome so you are a veteran of the uh alumni events uh that have been held in association with games out at du so that's very very cool again i know you went to colorado state so you're not an alum but uh you've uh, attended a number of uh, uno alumni events associated with uno hockey over the years so that's uh that's cool and you mentioned uh trying to get people into these events who aren't alumni uh we met a couple on friday night from kansas city isaac and annie lindgren uh, they were a really fun couple, and uh, Bridget uh, asked them if they wanted to attend the event. Uh, Bridget is an alumni ambassador this year, so she contacted the folks uh, with the Alumni Association who were organizing it, uh, and it was really nice to have them there. Uh, it was nice to meet them. It's always fun to meet uh, some of these new UNO fans uh, from around the country. Isaac and Annie told us that they listened to the Mad Puck cast, and that was just, that was really awesome. So, uh, yeah, so I love it when... That meeting our fans, the the ones that le listen and watch and stuff, the podcast. So any of you out there, if you do run into, I guess I shouldn't speak for John. If you run into me, probably John too, like feel free to say hi, because it is pretty cool to to run into people that are like, yeah, I listen to you every once in a while. And so I thought that was that was really cool that they were willing to come up to us and say hi and meet and greet. 
and we made some uh, new UNO hockey friends. So that was, that was awesome. So turning to our next series, we've got Augustana coming into Omaha uh, on Black Friday, and then we are heading up to Augustana to take uh, take on uh, Augie at the Denny Sanford Premier Center on Saturday night. So it's a home and home series. Augustana is four, five, and one on the season. They played a tough schedule. Uh, for a new program. Uh, they tied Denver on the road in overtime earlier this season. Uh, they beat Colorado College uh, out in Colorado Springs the next night. Their head coach is Garrett Raboyne. Uh, he was an assistant for four seasons uh, under Bob Motzko at Minnesota and an assistant with Motzko for six seasons at St. Cloud State. And I know our fans will be familiar with Motzko uh, during his years uh, with St. Cloud. Great coach. Jason, what are your initial thoughts going into this series? This is one of those series, again, kind of like Long Island a couple weeks ago against an upstart program. What do you think of UNO's chances uh, going into this series just on, on cursory glance? Yeah, the concern is this is a trap series. You know, this is a team that you should beat, but, you know, you just went through everything that was with Denver and all the complexities and you know, you add that to a shortened week with the holiday on Thursday. Um, it's kind of a a recipe for disaster more than it is a recipe for success. Uh, so the guys need to be focused. They need to be ready to go. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I think what would serve what Omaha well is if they can get a couple early, uh, you know, get a, get a multiple goal lead. Uh, and then have a chance to kind of say like, let's work on some stuff. Let's, let's try some things out when we get power play uh, that we've been working on in practice and, and things like that. Um, I also like what you pointed out too. Like this is, I've talked to people about the difference between East coast hockey and West coast hockey, you know, growing with Denver, like every, you know, every weekend was a, a sledge, like everything was travel. Right. And, and UNO has always kind of been that way. It's like, there's no short series. You know, the best we had was North Dakota or maybe St. Cloud, like still a drive, right? Um, but those East Coast schools, I mean, they, you could play like five teams and not, you know, drive more than two hours. And so here we get a chance to to do something a little different. And so it'll be interesting to see what the guys, uh, how they handle this when they, uh, you know, play a game at home and then get on a bus and go play a game the next day away. Yeah, it'll it'll be a lot of fun. I know uh, you guys, I know we are planning uh, to go up to Augustana for that uh, Saturday night game. So that'll be a lot of fun. Players to watch, Jason, junior forward Luke Mobley leads the team with four goals and four assists. He is a transfer from uh, Clarkson uh, in his uh Years playing junior hockey, he played with uh, Muskegon and Omaha in the USHL. So some fans might be familiar with him. Junior defenseman Ula Rika, which I had to look up the pronunciation of that because he is from uh, he is from Finland. Uh, has two goals and five assists. Uh, he transferred in from Providence. And then uh, if you look at their two goaltenders, Zach Rose and Josh Katai. Uh, they've split time in net this season, and both goalies are averaging around a 3.4 goals against average. So UNO definitely has some opportunities uh, if they can get the puck uh, on nets uh, in both of these games. Uh, Jason, what is your prediction for this series? How do you think UNO is going to do? Are they going to sweep? Are they going to split? 
Are they going to get swept? How do you think they're going to do against Augustana? I, I think they're going to sweep. Um, I think the challenge is going to be Saturday, quite honestly. Um, I'm I'm more worried having played a game, getting on a bus and going up there than I am about like Thanksgiving and, you know, short time frames and the turnaround and the day offs and, and things like that. So um, I, I think that's going to be the like, how do you handle that that difference? The encouraging thing is, is what we just went through in Denver. That was something you're not accustomed to, something no one's ever been through. There was a whole new situation, you know, having to deal with the extra day, all of that stuff that we just went through with that game. And to see them find success in that Saturday, you know, I, I have hope at least um, that they're going to be able to do that. And I think the big thing for me is, is like, hopefully we come out of this weekend better prepared for the rest of the season and then getting into that NCHC part of the schedule. Uh, so hopefully, you know, we can kind of come out of this with with maybe a better idea of what our power play is, uh, you know, more responsibility uh, and two more wins. Absolutely right. Hopefully they don't have a turkey coma uh, after the Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, hopefully they're not reveling in that win uh, out at DU for too long because uh, there's work to be done. I'm going to say that like you, that UNO uh, sweeps this weekend, uh, it'll be a good opportunity, as you alluded to, for them to kind of uh, tune up and work on some things before they start uh, gearing up for that second half NCHC grind. Uh, so these last few series uh, before the first of the year, they've got to find a way, uh, kind of find a way to fix some things, uh, work on some things uh, and get things shored up for that uh, second half run that uh, we're looking forward to watching. Uh, Friday's game, at Baxter Arena is at 7.07 p.m. You can listen uh, to that game on 1290 Coil or watch it uh, on NCHC TV. Uh, Saturday's game in Sioux Falls will be at uh, 6.07 p.m. Central Time at the Denny Sanford Premier Center. Uh, you can listen to the game uh, here in Omaha on 1290 Coil, and you can watch it on Jason's favorite streaming service, Flow Sports. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing you're going to the game, Jason, because I know you would not subscribe to Flow Sports and I'd have to come in with my iPad, log in and airplay it so we could uh, we could watch it. But uh, yeah, so if you're staying here in Omaha, you'll have to sign up for Flow Sports, which is a, a pricey prospect for one game. So we encourage you to uh, come up to Sioux Falls for those games. I'm sure that they will have plenty of tickets available because... The uh, Sanford Center is a sizable facility, great facility. Uh, it should be fun to see a lot of uh, UNO fans in attendance for that. As always, we encourage you to follow us on social media. Bridget does uh, updates on Twitter during the games. You can find links to all of our social media channels at mapuck.com, as well as back episodes of this podcast, which we encourage you to listen to. But until next time, Jason... Go Mavs. Go Mavs.